The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 129. The world's shortest regularly scheduled nonstop commercial flight is on Scotland's Logan Air from the island of West Ray to the island of Papa West Ray, clocking in at a meager two minutes. So I'm guessing there's no food service. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is the person who's always sitting next to me, whether the flight's two hours or 27 hours, my constant travel companion and wife, Heather. Hey, Heth. Hi, everyone. Speaking of constant travel companions, about the only other thing that has made it on every journey with me over the last year and a half is the sponsor of today's show, our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. My Tortuga Backpack, Heth, I was thinking about this on the plane yesterday when we were flying back home here to Philadelphia, which we're going to talk about in a moment. And I believe that in the last year and a half, my Tortuga has been to 20 different countries. Yeah, it has been a real lifesaver for you on a lot of trips and is always the perfect size because your Osprey pack is a little bit bigger than carry-on size. So the yeah, so if is you definitely- guys are looking for a backpack, whether that's for a Christmas gift, and if you're listening to this live, Christmas is coming up. If you're listening to this in the future, if you're looking for a gift for someone or you're looking for the right travel backpack, I highly, highly recommend Tortuga Backpacks. They're great. I've had mine for the last year and a half. I love that it has a laptop sleeve in it to keep my laptop it's padded so that I know that when I'm putting it in the overhead bin and things like that, that it's not going to be easily cracked or anything like that. So I love my Tortuga backpack. They're the sponsors of today's shows. And we've been able to work out an arrangement with Tortuga to help you guys out as well. So if you want to look into getting a Tortuga backpack and you want to get the extra pack of peanuts discount, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash Tortuga. Check that out. There's a special discount only for Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast listeners. So if you're interested in that, make sure to head there. And today we are talking about how to survive a 27-hour flight. And really, this means any long-haul flight. But we're going to say 27 hours using that as our number because that's the flight that we just got in from yesterday. Well, the flights, plural. It was three different flights. Yeah, I should say 27-hour flights. Yes, that's our whole itinerary. And our exact itinerary was we went from Bali, the warm, beautiful, sunny beaches of Bali. (laughs) So we went from Denpasar Airport in Bali to Taipei, then Taipei to San Francisco, and then San Francisco here to Philly. So we just got in yesterday, actually. And I would say for the first time, you know, even though we do a lot of these long haul flights, and I know we do it more often than some people, there are definitely people out there who do it more than us. You never really get used to it, I would say, right? I mean, it's never, quote unquote, fun. No, it's definitely not fun. A lot of people dread long flights like this. But 
our last experience, I think that we did pretty well with the timing of the flights and a couple other tips and tricks that we're going to get into in a few minutes. Yeah. And even though it's never fun, there's ways that you can make it, I would say, either more enjoyable or if you're really not looking forward to it, you can at least make it bearable. And for whatever reason, this last time, I was kind of dreading this flight. And so I don't usually get like that, but I was, when we were sitting in Bali, I was, I was saying, man, I really don't want to get on this plane. It's going to be really long, 29 hours of total travel. I'm really not looking forward to it. And it went so much better than even what, you know, my best estimation or, or my best case scenario. It was better than that. And I think that's because we followed some of these rules. So we've put them together into a list now. And these are 21 ways to make a long flight enjoyable slash bearable. And we broke it down in three segments, what you can do pre-flight, what you can do during the flight, and then what you can do after the flight. And we also have a little sub-segment in there that you have stuff you can do during layovers. So Heth, I guess let's just jump into it. We're going to start with pre-flight. What are some of the things that we've been doing that have made long-haul flights more bearable? Well, the very first thing I actually wouldn't know anything about, but it's to fly business class. Now, we've taken a lot of flights. I myself have never flown business class, but we do have a lot of miles and points. And in this case, the business class wasn't available because we booked these tickets pretty last minute. Yeah, so, about a week before we actually got on the flight. Right. But if you have the points or if you have the money, definitely fly business class if you have a long haul flight like this, because it's just going to make it a lot easier. As all of you guys know, I am very frugal, not only with our money, but also with our miles. I have a hard time parting with them, even though I tell everyone, earn your miles and burn your miles. It's hard to part with them because you think of all the trips that you could be taking in the future. And so it's hard to even say, oh, should I go business class? In this case, we both agreed that had business class been available, we would have paid the extra miles because it was such a long haul flight home. You're really getting good value out of it because you're you're flying so much and you're getting to spend time in lounges and things like that during layovers. So if you're going to be taking long flights like this and it's possible, definitely splurge for the business class. This is where you're going to get your most value. The second thing to do, and this we were able to work out, just happened out this way, is to try to book a flight in the late afternoon or early evening to, to start your journey. And again, we say we're going to say a 29 or 27 hour flight, but really it's a combination of flights. But start your journey late afternoon or early evening. We found that's the best, wouldn't you say, Heath? Yeah, because you get on the plane. And in our case, like we said, we left from Dempis Army, went to Taipei. And we didn't sleep at all, of course, on that first flight. We left around 4.30. We got to Taipei, had the layover, got in the next flight. We got into Taipei around 9 p.m. Right. And our flight left at 10. We got on the flight in Taipei, stayed up for a couple of hours, and then we were able to sleep. So it was just a We were nice keeping our natural schedule yeah, from where we had been in Keeping Bali. our natural schedule. So I think that's really easy to do if you have that late afternoon, early evening, because you get on the plane and you're not ready to go to sleep right away. So you can, you know, even if you're not going to have that five hour first flight, maybe it's a really long haul first flight. But, you know, you get in the plane, you get adjusted, you get something to eat, this or that, and then you're ready to go to bed. So we found that it's very hard if we get early morning flights or even, you know, before noon because you get on the plane and you want to sleep or you might get a little tired and then you're sleeping during the day. And then, of course, you get on the plane at night and you're not tired and you screw yourself up for when you get back. So if possible, book a late afternoon or early evening flight. And that kind of leads us into number three then. 
And that was to have a regular day. So when we were leaving, it was on a Sunday. So we just had a relaxing day. I mean, we went out for breakfast. We, you know, went to the beach. It was just a normal day for us in Indonesia, I guess. Yeah, if possible, have a regular laid back day, the day of your flight, and even the night before, you know, it, and it depends how long you're on this vacation. But if you're there for a while, you can kind of get stuff done ahead of time. That's helped us. That's not something we used to do. We used to try to fit everything in. Oh, we should do this, 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 you know, and then you're kind of, I think, feeling anxious when you get on the plane as well. So we just really took it easy the night before. And that day did a few last minute things, but really, really easy going day. And that helped them when we got on the plane because we were, we were feeling at ease and we were also feeling a little tired, but not too tired and exhausted where we we're going to fall asleep right away. Number four, always have entertainment queued up. And by this, we mean whatever it is, your iPad, your laptop, yeah, your have Kindle. have some movies, have some books. And I would I would say have both books and movies because depending on your mood, you know, if you're ready to fall asleep, you might want to read. If you want to stay awake, you might want to watch a movie. And you never know what airplanes are they're going to have, what options. Air China, we got switched to, or China Airlines, we were supposed to be on EVA the first time and we got switched and it had decent entertainment options. Then we were on EVA Airlines, it was okay. And then we were on United and they didn't have good options. So you never know what entertainment options are going to be. So it helps to have some stuff prepared. Also, another thing that you should be bringing, number five, this is essential. We talk about this all the time. So we cannot hit it home enough. And We that talk about is- it on our pre-checklist, our 24 things to bring on a flight podcast. This is this was number one and number two on that. Yeah, and that's to have an eye mask and earplugs. Now, depending on the flight, you might get an eye mask, but they're going to be not as good as ones that you They're can... not going to be comfortable. No, so just buy one for $5 at Target or whatever. Bring it with you always. Always have earplugs just because, I mean, I am reluctant to take my earplugs out even once we get off the plane because it's so nice to just You were wearing them through the Taipei airport. (laughs) About halfway through, we were getting up to like, we'd got off the plane and we were walking through our transfer and you thought, what'd you say? You're like, well, I guess I should take my earplugs out. These (laughs) look a little goofy, right? Yeah. And you were talking to me and I kept having to say what? So I love how the earplugs just block out enough sound that you can really relax when you're on the plane. Number six in that vein is to bring headphones as well. Again, most airlines will provide you with headphones, but on long haul flights, we have found you're not going to be overly comfortable no matter where you are, unless you're in business or first class. So you want to make it as enjoyable or as comfortable as possible. One of those ways is to have a decent pair of headphones. I put this on our Christmas list. You put some that you liked on our on our Christmas list. You know, it can be earbuds. It can be the big over the ear ones, but get ones that are comfortable. The ones that the airlines give out are going to be crap. So you're not yeah. going to be able to hear And they're not the going to block out well. any noise. I mean, even like the pair I have right now is just a $15 Panasonic earbud and they will block out noise enough that I can hear the movie and, you know. And they're so, comfortable to lay on. Like that's the thing that I've noticed. Those earphones, excuse me, headphones, earphones that they give you with the plane, they're so uncomfortable. So if you are kind of half falling asleep, you're not going to be able to do that with the headphones in. Did I say earphones? Is that why you said it? No, I always say earphones. I always mean earplugs or headphones (laughs) and I mix them up. So headphones, make sure you bring your own headphones. Number seven, make sure all of your items are really easy to access when you're on the plane. Now, this is if depending on if you have a carry-on or a checked bag. We always have like a smaller bag or a backpack or a tote bag 
bag that we keep under the seat in front of us. That way we can have all these things, our computer, our Kindle, our eye mask, our earplugs, and our headphones. You know, we travel, I travel with the Tortuga, so I always only have a carry-on. And Heather, 95% of the time, only has a carry-on. Although we checked your bag this last time because we bought some gifts, so we were bringing that on in a carry-on. And... It's just important to have the items accessible. And for me, then I have a little smaller day pack. So even though everything could be in my Tortuga, that I'm not going to put on their seat in front of me. That's going to go in the overhead bin. So I always make sure I have all those things very easy to get to because it's just nice. You know, you don't want to have to get up and wake other people up or hop over someone to get to the aisle to get out your headphones or your earplugs. So just (laughs) keep them in a small bag or get them out when you get on the flight and then put them in the little pocket in front of you. We like to have everything kind of set up in its little yeah, area. Yeah, it's good to be organized when you're when you're on the flight and to be prepared so that your stuff is accessible. Another thing that you should definitely bring with you, make sure you have on the flight with you, and this is number 8 is a change of clothes. And if it's a one if it's one really long flight, like a 16-hour flight, I'd still say bring a change of clothes because you never know what if you spill something on you or anything like that. Of course, this only matters if you're checking a bag. If you're bringing everything on carry-on, of course, you have some clothes with you. But make sure you have some sort of change of clothes, especially then if you are going to be having layovers. Like I, I changed. So we left Bali. I was in shorts and sandals. We got to Taipei. I stayed in my shorts and sandals. Then we got into San Francisco and we actually had a bunch of people at the gates and stuff ask us in the security guard, are you guys, oh, you must be going to Hawaii on vacation. And we said, no, no unfortunately, we've we're just coming the other way. Come back. But in that same vein, like ch- having a change of clothes, a lot of people, if they have a long flight, will actually change into pajamas or sweatpants if you're not already wearing sweatpants. You know, I usually travel in jeans or leggings. And if I'm wearing leggings, I don't usually need to change. But even pajamas are more comfortable than leggings or anything like that. So you can always change into pajamas and then change back into your clothes before the flight's landing. Yeah. And and like I was saying, when I got to San Fran, I thought I was going to stay in shorts and sandals. That was not the case. So then I changed into pants. Right. So, Sorry, I forgot you were going to say Oh, that. no. But make sure you have a change of clothes or pajamas with you. That's a, that's a great point, Hath. And you can just change in the bathroom. Two more things to bring with you. Number nine, a toothbrush. Because sometimes it's just nice to brush your teeth after 10 hours, 12 hours up in the yeah, air. Yeah, whether you do it in the plane or whether you do it during a layover or whatever, it's just nice to have with you. And then number 10, this is the last pre-flight thing you do. Make sure you bring snacks. We, on this last go around did not have good plain food. I actually didn't realize that most domestic flights didn't give you any food anymore because we haven't flown domestically that often. So we were on United for five and a half hours from San Francisco to Philly, and we had not a morsel of food. And before that, we didn't have the greatest food on our other two flights either. So it was nice that we had those rich crackers that you had bought. And yeah, I mean, I M&Ms didn't and really stuff. eat any of the food on the 15 hour fl- or the nine hour flight because it was just horrible. I mean, I had some fresh fruit that they'd given us. That was it. So, yeah, always have some snacks. And and we try to bring like, well, we say healthy stuff. Sometimes we, sometimes we have M&Ms. Sometimes we have trail mix. <laughs> you know, but just have some snacks with you. It's going to make, there's going to be plenty of times that you're hungry throughout a 29-hour itinerary or travel. And it's not always going to be when they're serving you food and the food might not be that great as well. So, those are some things that you guys should do pre-flight to make the actual travel a good 
or halfway decent experience. experience. So now let's get into the stuff that you can do during the flight. Number 11, always check the seating. I'm crazy about Travis this. Travis is so crazy about this. Like he will get on the plane and he will scope out if it's a full flight or he'll ask if it's a full flight. And if there are seats open somewhere else, he'll ask if we can move, you know, if it's an empty aisle or something. I, I'm the person who's sitting there. If me and Heather are sitting, you know, and there's three seats in our little row and we're sitting into them, I'm sitting there like praying that someone is not going to come and sit next to us and that we have those three seats and can stretch out. And I'm always just scoping it out, looking at where there might be empty seats because on these long haul flights, if it is a, if there is three or four seats in a row and you're two people and there isn't someone next to you, it's so much more enjoyable. Like this, the last two flights of our trip, we had a three row or a three seat section and there was only me and Heather in it. And it was so much nice to have the empty seat in between us. We could both stretch out. You could put the middle thing down. You could put your drinks and food on there so it's not on top of you. I just love it. So I love finding those extra seats. I always ask the flight attendants when we get on, is it a full flight so you know what you're getting into? And then I scope out where there's some better seating and then we'll move there. You can also ask, we tried this, it didn't work, but we asked uh, there's premium economy on our long haul flight from Taipei to San Francisco. And I said, "Is are there any premium economy seats left? And they said, yes. And I asked how much it would be to upgrade from regular economy. They came back and told us $750, which we were per person, which we we're obviously not going to pay. But sometimes just by asking, they might come back and say, oh, yeah, you guys can just move up or something like that. You never know. Yeah. yeah it never hurts to ask. Yeah. So scope it out. Scope out the extra seats. It's a godsend when you can get some extra seats next to you. Yeah. Absolutely. Number 12, have a book in movies. You know, we've already mentioned this, like having it queued up, but I find that if I'm ready to sleep, I'll definitely, I'll, I'd rather read because it kind of calms my mind more. I'm not going to sit there and watch like an action-packed movie. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So, I mean, on this last flight, I Travis was sleepier than me, so you fell right asleep and I was finishing a book. So, I finished up my book and then I slept. I took, you know, some medicine, slept. It was great. Yeah, for sure. Number 13 with sleeping is try to sleep at the normal time. We've hit on this a little bit already. We mentioned our flight. We left Denpazar. We left Bali at 4.30 and then we got into Taipei at 9 p.m. So we both knew we don't want to sleep on this first leg of the journey because if we do then it's going to kind of screw us up for when we want to sleep overnight. So you yeah, always Our body wanna... isn't used to that. No. So we stayed up on the Taipei, on the flight to Taipei, and it wasn't that difficult. You know, we watched, I watched like two movies or two and a half movies, what have you. And then when we got on the flight in Taipei to San Francisco, it was about 10.30 p.m. And we were ready, you know, we were pretty tired. So we stayed up for an hour, hour and a half. Because served the, the meal. Yeah, served the meal. That. And then... Then we slept. Then we knocked out and basically where our bodies were ready to. You know, we slept from about midnight until what would have been 8 a.m. had we still been staying in Bali. So it was absolutely perfect. You're not always going to be able to do that based on your flight times, but that's why it's really nice to start in the late afternoon, early evening so that you can stay with that, you know, on that type of schedule. And the next number... One of the reasons that we yeah. got knocked out. This was huge. <laughs> number 14 is to take medicine. Now, it 
maybe if you're traveling with children, you don't want to be knocked out too much. So you could just take something a little bit lighter. We took NyQuil because that's what we had available to us. But you can take Lunesta or melatonin, whatever. But when you're on a plane and if you're not in first class or business class and you're just in regular old economy, you're going to wake up a lot. But if you have some type of sleeping aid like the NyQuil, you might wake up, but then you'll fall back asleep. So we were able to really sleep almost eight hours. I can't even believe it. We woke up and we were like landing in San Francisco. Have, it was would great. you say that, you know, people say, oh, I'm I'm a really good sleeper on planes or I can't sleep on planes. What would you say you are? I would say that I can't sleep very well on planes unless I take medicine. Yeah, I would say I'm an average, right? I, I don't you like sleeping on planes. I'm not technically like good at it, but I can do it. And if we do, this NyQuil worked perfect for us this last time. I mean, it. We I was out for eight hours. Of course, I woke up a little bit here and there, but almost eight full hours. And as Heather mentioned, we were landing. Like the reason I woke up was because they said to us, we're well, getting... Yeah, they served breakfast right, and then we and were landing. It was like an hour before we were landing in San Francisco. And I, if they hadn't woken us up... For the meal, or we hadn't woken up because of the meal, I probably would have slept right until we were about to land. So the NyQuil worked perfect for us this time. I think this is the one of the most important things you can do. If you do want to sleep, make sure to supplement it with some sort of medicine. You don't have to go crazy, but even just something as simple as NyQuil. Yeah. Um, number 15, don't worry about waking up for the meals. I mean, in most cases, I think they try to serve them at the beginning and the end. But if they're serving like a snack or something in the middle of the flight... I just, I mean, I don't even wake up. Yeah, you can tell them actually, you know, and they might remember, they might not, but you can say to them, hey, if I'm sleeping, please don't wake me up for the meal. Usually they won't purposefully wake you up, although we have had flight attendants like wake us up kind of on purpose, like tap us or something. Usually they won't, but just by them coming by or something like that or someone next to you moving. But if it is just you and another person that you know, like if it was me and Heather in a row and no one else, you know, if they knew not to wake us up, if we had said don't wake us up, they might just skip right by us. It might be a little quieter. So it just helps. You know, don't don't worry too much about waking up unless you are really hungry. You don't have a lot of snacks with you. And number 16, speaking about eating and things like that on the plane, make sure you're drinking a lot of water. You can get dehydrated really, really quick on planes. It's just going to be a bad experience. Yes, you're going to have to get up and go to the bathroom more often and things like that. But that usually helps as well to make a flight more bearable because you do, one of the things we didn't mention on here, but we could have, is to make sure you get up every so often, unless you're sleeping comfortably. Make sure you get up, walk around, get the blood flowing a little bit, things like that. Just Yeah, you can also do those exercises in your seat where you're like stretching your feet and your legs so that you're not getting, you know, blood clots or anything like that. Yeah, and I think so many people are... I'm not going to say afraid to ask for water, but they come around, they give you the water the first time and you get something with your meal. You know, I'm always asking if I want more water, we're hitting the button and we're saying, can we have more water? Or when I go up to go to the bathroom, I go back to the, you know, the stewardess and I'm like, can we have some more water? This or that. Definitely make sure you're drinking water when you're flying, not just for health reasons, but it will make it more enjoyable because you're not going to be parched and you're not going to be dehydrated during the Yeah. Flight. And I mean, just another little thing. I know that on these long haul flights, they do offer alcohol. And if you want to partake, of course, it's your prerogative. But anytime that I actually do drink the, that free glass of wine or whatever, it always makes me feel so much worse because it's just adding to the dehydration. So I usually avoid that when we're flying. Yeah. And I don't 
ever really drink alcohol when we're flying either. That's more because I'm afraid that I'm going to get sick. So when I was a kid, I used to get motion sick on airplanes. And I feel like, why risk it? Although I did have an amazing Singapore sling on Singapore Airlines. So if I'm on Singapore Airlines, oh, you better believe I'm getting a Singapore (laughs) sling. It's more like fruit juice than alcohol, though. So those are some things you can do during the fight. We're going to go into our little subset now of what we can do, what you can do during a layover to make sure that it's that you're having a better experience on these long-haul flights. So number 17 is something that we've been enjoying lately, and that is to have lounge access. Now, of course, if you're flying business or first, you automatically have lounge access, but... Another bonus of why if you're going to have long layovers or multiple stops and things like that, it really, the value is there for using your miles. But if you aren't flying that, you're just flying economy, you can get passes through having, you know, different credit cards or... Exactly. Like we used United Club Lounge passes this last time when we were in San Francisco and we had them because we had the Chase United Explorer card. Every year they give you two passes, you know, for free for having the card. And so we used them in San Francisco. And yeah, it, we had you don't a four-hour layover. Yeah, so. you don't have to be flying on United. We happen to be flying on United, but with the lounge passes, if you have specific day passes, you can use them whether you're flying with that airline or not. Sometimes if you have, we have the American Airlines executive car, which gives us access to American Airlines lounges, but sometimes we have to be make sure we're flying with them or a partner or something like that. But Hath lounge access, pretty sweet. Oh, it just makes your layover so much more enjoyable. So we landed in San Francisco. We had a four-hour layover, but actually our flight was delayed a little bit, so it was five hours. And we were just able to sit in the lounge. It's so relaxing. It's so quiet. They have comfortable chairs. I got to watch Eagles versus Cowboys, although the Eagles lost. Oh, that's unfortunate. But they also always have free snacks. Sometimes they even have free meals, like when we were in the Centurion Lounge in Vegas. Right. And um, in this case, they also had like free house wine and... Free house wine, free beer, things like that. And we were actually looking forward. I thought the 11-hour flight from Taipei to San Francisco was going to be a killer. And as we mentioned already, we basically took the NyQuil and passed out. It was it was really nice, actually. And we were looking forward to being in the San Francisco lounge because we were just thought, all right, this is going to be great to get off plane. Turns out... I would have rather just hopped on the next flight because we were feeling pretty good because we had slept well. But the lounge is just really nice. I mean, especially, I mean, a five-hour layover, we would have been miserable had we gotten off an 11-hour flight and before that been on a five-and-a-half-hour flight and then had to sit on like a hard chair for the next five hours. Yeah, or maybe there isn't even a chair or you have to find some other place at the airport because all the chairs at the gate are taken. So we basically ate our weight in yogurt-covered raisins and trail mix and little cookies. So, I mean, it wasn't. it's not the best lounge ever, the United One in San Francisco, but... You know, they're nice enough. Yeah. And they had, like I said, the comfortable chairs and then outlets as well everywhere. So, and good Wi Fi. Yeah. Just, it's just really convenient and really relaxing. So, if possible, if you can on these, grab some lounge access. There's some ways to do it through getting different credit cards, as we've mentioned. If you, if you want more information on how to get lounge access through your credit cards, of course, you can email me and we do do the free credit card consultation on the website. So, you can check that out. 18, if you don't have lounge access, or even if you do have lounge access, take advantage of an airport's amenities. And so a lot of airports, especially the new ones, are really upping their game, especially ones in Asia. But even, you know, San Francisco has airport showers, so they didn't have showers in the United 
club in the lounge, but they do have showers in the actual international oh, ring of the airport. I didn't even know that. I believe you'll have to pay for them. I'm not exactly sure. We didn't use them. But San Francisco showers, I mean, Changi in Singapore, if oh, you've got to lay over there, it's like... Such an amazing airport. Yeah, it's, it's, you're looking forward to it. It's, they you want to have... Don't they even have a swimming pool? They have swimming spa. pools, spa, movie theater, like free movie theater, free botanical gardens. I think the swimming pool is free. I, you know, a spa, you would pay for different services. But some of the airports are just really nice. So... If you can, you know, if, you, if you're planning out your route and you have some options and you're going to have to have a long layover somewhere, definitely check out what the airport has to offer beforehand because being in a really nice airport like Singapore's versus one that might not be so nice on a layover, that can make a huge difference. Absolutely. Also, we should mention this, this isn't on our list, but if you're going to be somewhere for a, a long, long layover, we're talking you know, 15 hours or something. So a layover can be anything under 24 hours. So if it's going to be long enough, it might be somewhere that you can actually get out and go into the city. So that's yeah. something to consider as well. Even our four-hour layover, we were like, oh, we have so many friends in San Francisco. I wonder if we could just hop into the city and meet them for dinner. I mean, we couldn't, but... Right, but there are some airports that are very easily connected to getting downtown or wherever it is. Singapore's one, Seoul, um, Incheon in Seoul, Korea, very easy to get downtown. Uh, Frankfurt, Germany, you can get... So it's you know, check that out as well. And there is a really good website. I can't remember it right now that tells you, it basically writes how easy it is to get to something from the airport on a layover. So that's really nice. And number 19 is, you guessed it, drink water. I know we already said this, but even during your layover, it's really important to drink water. When we slept for most of our flight to San Francisco, I was super dehydrated when we landed at the airport. Thankfully, we had the lounge access, so we had free water, which is so nice in an airport where a bottle of water costs like three or four dollars. And we'd also come from Southeast Asia where you can't drink tap water. So we're in the lounge and I'm just like filling up my cup with so much water. I know. I even said to Heth, I'm like, don't you want some of the complimentary wine? You're like... Yeah, yeah, I'll get some of that. She had one glass. She had like <laughs> nine glasses of water. And they also had really yummy juice there too. So anyway, just make sure that you're staying hydrated. Yeah. So some of those tips, again, if you have lounge access, that's great. Um, take advantage of the of the airport amenities and then drink some water. Layovers don't have to be awful. They can actually be a fun part, quote unquote fun. If you're in Singapore, actually fun part of your long sometimes excruciating 29-hour flight. Use those tips and it can be an okay experience. Now we're going to talk about stuff that you can do after arriving at your destination. And this is kind of might sound weird because, hey, you're there. How do you make a 29-hour flight more bearable after you already arrived? But there's a few things that we do to get ourselves ready to go. I mean, we're recording this podcast literally 24 hours after we land, a little over 24 hours after we landed yesterday. And we're both feeling pretty good. We're not yeah. feeling the effects of jet lag, which is surprising. And it's because we've done these two things when we landed yesterday. So number 20 is, as we've said in other podcasts to combat jet lag, try to stay awake until the normal bedtime of where you've arrived. Yeah. I mean, that's hard, especially because we arrived at Philadelphia at 8 a.m. And we thought, there's no way. This is not going to happen because... We're arriving at 8 a.m. We know we're going to be tired at some point during the day. It's not like we're arriving at 7.30 p.m. and, okay, let's make it a couple hours until we have to go to bed. 
But how we did this, you know, we knew we wanted to try to go to bed around 11 p.m. or midnight when we typically go to bed. And one of the things we did, number 21, is have a reason to get up. So we we didn't think that we were going to make it all the way through the day. And but we, we planned for it. So what we did is we decided to take a nap. So we took a nap in the afternoon. At like 2 p.m. So we had a friend come over and visit us for lunch when we were starting to get tired. He said, hey, you guys going to be sleeping or do you, you want me to come and visit you for lunch? We're like, hey, come over on your lunch break, visit us. So that helped because that kept us awake until about 2 p.m. He left and we both said, all right, let's 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 lay down a little bit. But before we laid down, we made sure our friend was going to come back after work at 5 p.m. so that we wouldn't sleep from 2 p.m. until like 8 p.m. Yeah, and then not be able to sleep at night. So when our alarm went off at 4.45, I was like, oh, I, I want to keep sleeping. And I would have, except that our friend then showed up at 5 and he was like, all right, guys, wake up. And then actually Travis went out and he was gone like the whole evening. So... It's good if you can get out of the house or get out of your hotel, whatever, because then you won't have a, an excuse to sleep. Yeah, you'll and you be out and about. And you want to pick a persistent, possibly annoying friend because <laughs> when they came over at five p.m., I did not want to get up. I wanted to sleep so bad, and it took him about ten minutes to like rouse us. And be like, come on, man, let's go, out, let's go. Out. And like, I knew I should, but I really didn't want to. But if your friend just say, okay, see you later and leaves, well, that didn't help. So if you, you know, pick someone who's going to needle you enough to get up. And then I went out that night with a few other friends and went and got dinner and a few drinks and just hung out and got back to the house around 1130 and then went to bed around midnight, a little after midnight. So it worked out really well for us this last, this last go around. And yeah, now I and think we're on a good schedule. Yeah. I mean, we were both able to sleep through the night. I mean, I woke up a little bit earlier, but you know, you had a normal night of sleep and today we're feeling pretty good. So take yeah. it or leave it. I mean, our advice is, you know, just our personal opinion, but it seemed to work pretty well for it us. It definitely time. helped for us on this last 20, I think it ended up being 29 hours because we had some delays, but it's supposed to be 27 hours, which is a lot of flying, a lot of trips. And it went way better than some of the other times that we've had trips like this. And so if you are someone who's going to be getting on a long haul flight or long haul flights, a combination of flights, I would recommend trying to do some of these things, implementing them. None of it's hard. It's just, you know, think about it a little bit. Definitely, if you are interested in finding more about combating jet lag, we did a whole podcast about that. I think two podcasts that we should mention that kind of piggyback on this would be the podcast about combating jet lag, where we just gave our tips of how to combat jet lag. And the other we did 24 things to bring, bring with you on, on a, a flight, flight. Yeah. A, our pre-travel checklist. So, you know, we touched on a few here with headphones, earplugs, eye masks, but then we go in a little more depth of other things that we bring. So if you guys want more information on that, check out those podcasts. You can see all the show notes for this podcast or those other ones, or you can find all those other ones at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. That has all 120-some episodes all right there. Yeah, and if you've had a very successful long-haul flight or a really terrible one and you feel like sharing, you can always leave a comment. Yeah, leave a comment in the show notes, guys. Big thank you to today's sponsor, Tortuga Backpacks. If you are interested in getting a new backpack, you need a new backpack, or someone you know needs a backpack, I highly, highly recommend Tortuga. You can find out about the special discount that you'll get uh, 10% off 
any purchase you make at Tortuga, whether you buy the one Tortuga backpack, 100 Tortuga backpacks. They also have a new product coming out soon called the Tortuga Air, which I'm really interested to try out because it's going to be a little smaller, a little more slimmer. But you can find all that stuff at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash Tortuga. The instructions on how you can get that 10% off will be right there. A reminder, Heth, over the Christmas holidays or through December at least, we are cutting down the new podcasts that are coming out. Yeah, we decided to go just Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Just Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. (laughs) Three times a week instead of five times. I hope you don't miss us too much on those Tuesdays and Fridays, but... You can always re-listen to an old podcast. Yeah, we're doing it to give some people some time off. Some of the awesome people who help us with the podcast, including ourselves. Not that we're awesome, but we do do the podcast. Um, <laughs> and also to give you guys time, what you told us in the survey was that, you know, you missed some of them. It was hard to catch up, things like that, to delve into the archives because we've got a lot now. We've got over 120 episodes. I picked out a few that I wanted to recommend to you guys. If you if you are looking for something to listen to every day, episode 74, me and Heather did a really fun one. Our biggest travel mishaps. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, you're like, hey, they have some good rapport. I really like the one that they did together. Check out our biggest travel mishaps. We both talk about our number one. We each have a huge travel mishap that we made. So we we reveal them and then we talk about some of the little things that we've done as well. Really fun episode. A lot of people really liked it because of course you want to hear the goofy, dumb things that people did. That's always great. Episode 50 and 51, I'm bunching these together. I did two great interviews. One was with Leon McCarran, who's a world-famous adventure and explorer now. He wrote a great book called The Road Headed West. Really loved my interview with him. It's got a cool Northern Irish accent, so that's really neat. And then episode 51 I did with Akshay Nanavati, who talk about inspiring. He is running across every, his goal is to run across every country in the world. So just two really cool interviews with two really cool guys. So you check them out. Episode 50 with Leon McCarran, 51 with Akshay Nanavati, and 74 with me and Heather and our biggest travel mishaps if you miss us on those Tuesdays and Fridays. So thank you guys. We will be having a brand new episode coming out tomorrow. So until tomorrow, happy Happy free free travels. travels.